0: Jim Davis Show on Colorado sports leader, the team. 8 o'clock. Appreciate you joining us on this Friday and Apache Friday where we celebrate the beginning of the weekend. I'm Jim, along with Cake from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. Rockies start spring training today against Arizona. One o'clock here on the team. I, I, I almost, I, I hate to ask such a negative question.
1: Are the Rockies going to lose 100 games again?
0: But I have to. I, I think they will. Don't want them to. Oh, would love to be wrong. Love, love, love to be wrong. But I'm not so sure about that. How Quantrill, does he make the rotation better? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's a good pitcher. But it's a lot of, once again, classic Dick Montfort Rockies. Let's just hope the guys we have can stay healthy and be better. Let's hope Chris Bryant can stay healthy.
1: It's asking a lot there, Chief.
0: <laughs> I just, that that it seems like that's been the story forever. About this team, well, we just could could stay healthy. Okay, but they also they have some guys like like Nolan Jones. There's a lot of promise. Nolan Jones got to cut down the strikeouts, but offensively had a good season last year. Brenton Doyle has to get better offensively. Tremendous defensive player, as we saw last season. You know, what, what do you do with Charlie Blackman in terms of, he wants to play some right field, mostly will DH, but does having him play right field get in the way of the development of a Sean Bouchard and guys like that, They're those young guys? Right. Can Cal Freeland not give up 30-some home runs? Rockies gave up more home runs than they hit last year, people. Think about that. They gave up more than they hit, uh-huh. and so I, I just you know I I don't have a lot of hope here. I wish it wasn't that way. You know, Quantrill has probably been one of their more marquee pickups. Went four and seven last year for the Guardians for the Buckeye Boys team. Five point two four ERA. He was originally drafted by the Padres. So we'll see because he's going to be one of their top-of-the-line starters moving forward with Austin Gomber and Kyle Freeland. I just have a lot of, lot of reluctance to get to get excited about, about how good the Rockies are going to be this year. I, I wish I was wrong about that. Zekiel Tovar is a great young talent. They've got they've got promising guys, but you're having to hope players like like Peter Lambert are able to to get to start to get some traction in his career because you're not going to have Marquez, you're not going to have Sensatella, right? Because of of Tommy John surgery, so that's that's not going to they're not going to be back anytime soon. So it's a lot of challenges. For, for Buddy and his guys this year. So we've got some predictions, but also just a simple yes, no. Do the Rockies lose 100 games this season? Yes or no? Send it to us on the team line 970 242 1340. Junction Joe and he texted in about uh, the thoughts and prayers to the families of the University of Wyoming student athletes that uh, they died yesterday. It was a rollover accident, a vehicle rolled over multiple times, just south of the border, um, you know, just north here of, of, of Fort Collins and Greeley. Let's see, two other members of the university's swimming and diving team suffered injuries in that crash. And they have not, at least from the story I'm looking at, had not uh, released the names of, of those who died. The age of the students is 18, 19, and 21. We know that much. But it happened at the intersection of 287 and Red Mountain Road between uh, Livermore and uh, Virginia Dale. So that's the highway that connects University Town of Laramie with Fort Collins. And so that's certainly a a horrible, horrible accident involving those uh, University of Wyoming student-athletes, and our our prayers go out to their families um, at this time of, uh, of great sadness. All right, 8.05. Jim, along with uh, with cake today. Um, Wayland sent us something I have to look at later, and he says yes to losing more than a hundred games. Unfortunately, with the brownie face, we're we're with you on that one, Wayland. Uh, we got the sad frowny faces about the rocky season as well. All right, eight oh five, and it's time to go around the NFL. Yeah!
1: The latest on the Broncos and the league. It's around the NFL on the Jim Davis show.
0: I take it. You read what he sent, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. Have you? I have not yet. I'm reading it now.
2: <laughs>
0: this is from the post. I believe uh,
1: something Look, looks uh, like it.
0: some publication looks like it's the post, but I'm not sure. Uh, Rockies launched new site to stream games. February 15 sports story. I'm so glad that the Rockies are going to stream their games this year at the low price of ninety-nine ninety-nine for the entire season. That's less than a dollar a loss from Dan Danbaum over in Denver. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. It's pretty good, Dan. That's, that's
1: <laughs> it, it's funny because it's true. It's
0: funny because it's true. <laughs> All right. So Around the NFL. Around the NFL this morning. We'll start out with, um, from the AFC West, where... A
1: division we're very familiar with. Yes, where
0: Jim Harbaugh is now the new sheriff of the Los Angeles
1: Chargers. Big old dumb khaki pants.
0: And so, one of the things that uh, has come up is he's got a great quarterback, an incredible talent in Justin Herbert. But can new offensive coordinator Greg Roman find a way to give Herbert a little bit of help? Because Greg Roman said he, he wants to to kind of tap into the past when they had Hall of Famer LaDainian Tomlinson and Tomlinson paired with Drew Brees and then Brees left and then Phillip Rivers. It made them better quarterbacks. Tomlinson had eight consecutive 1,000-yard seasons rushing the football, averaged 17.6 touchdowns per season in those eight seasons. And so every season since 2008, which was Tomlinson's next to last year with the Chargers, they finished outside of the top 10 in rushing yards per game, even with Austin Eckler. Hmm. So Roman said Thursday, can you imagine Justin Herbert with a great running game? We don't know, but I can imagine what it might look like. So that's kind of the vision. Last season, Chargers finished 24th in rushing as Eckler averaged the fewest yards per game, 3.5 in his career. And Roman's offenses have traditionally been built around running the football. When he was with Baltimore, four seasons there. Lamar Jackson as his quarterback. Baltimore averaged a league-best 175.2 yards per game. San Francisco with Jim Harbaugh from 2011 to 2014. Of course, they had another running quarterback in Colin Kaepernick. They averaged 139.3 yards per game. Herbert's never rushed for more than 302 in a season, and only 911 in his four seasons combined. So now the question is going to be, are you going to expect Justin Herbert to run the ball? What? Like himself. Yeah, him carrying the ball. That's dumb. Well, Greg Roman answers that question. It's going to be a little, little bit different with Herbert than Jackson or Kaepernick. I think you're going to see probably a multiple running game. You'll probably see the use of motions and shifting, and you'll see a pretty diverse passing game. So his answer is simply this Yeah, we're going to run the ball, but we're not, Justin Herbert's not going to be be the guy like Lamar Jackson was, or Kaepernick, that that's not the strong suit of of his game. His strong suit is throwing the football. And Greg Roman's a smart enough guy to realize that, to say, yeah, we're there might be a wrinkle or two where Justin Herbert, maybe maybe some RPO-ish stuff that maybe he carries the ball a little bit more, but it's going to be more about kind of going back to what they have with Tomlinson, a back that can be the bell cow guy. Yeah. So for the Broncos, the challenge now is Justin Herbert's going to have better coaching with Jim Harbaugh, and maybe they're going to have a, a nice complementary attack to help out their defense with a running attack that, that should, should help out their defense, you would think. Yeah. All right, so other Broncos-related news. Quarterback Jameis Winston says he wants to stay in New Orleans, but... But. That doesn't mean he wants to sit there and ride the behind the pine behind Derek Carr. Winston said that he'd love to be in the city forever and re his admiration for the culture and integrity that the city possesses when he did an interview with, uh, with SI. However, his goal is to be a Super Bowl winning starting quarterback in the league. And right now that doesn't look like a very clear picture with the New Orleans Saints, he said. So keep your eye on this one, folks. Pyle, keep your eye on this one. Do we have to? Don't be shocked to see Jameis Winston possibly end up in Denver. Would not shock me at all if that happens. <laughs> Just telling you. All right. Also from the athletic today, hide your crab legs. Yeah. Well, good thing we have a Publix here in
1: Colorado. Good thing so. we don't really have much in the way of seafood. Yeah, it's, that's true. That might be the,
0: the saving grace there. So uh, the Athletic, their NFL staff, they, they have a, a mock draft. And it's a lot about it. The list mock draft includes a ton of, of trades. So the Broncos are involved in a trade in this mock draft. Okay. So they move from 12 to 9. Without you looking at this, you're
1: not looking at it. Not in front of me from 12 to 9 12 to 9 who do they trade up to get oh god who's who's got the ninth right now is chicago it chicago has the ninth? it's chicago okay so they move from 12 to 9th and they trade with chicago is it are they, is this another is this another piece that says the broncos need to trade pat 10?
0: no so the, the broncos send the 12th pick number 76 in a twenty twenty-five fourth fourth round pick to the Bears for number nine. No players,
1: no players, just picks. Okay. Hmm. I've, it's like, what are you gonna gain from moving up four slots? Three or three. Well, they slots. Have, they have,
0: there's a reason why. There's a, there's a guy that they're targeting with moving up. The name
1: is his name has come up in the recent days. Does he play the position of quarterback? Ding ding ding. Did he play in what is now going to be the Pac 2? Incorrect. Oh.
0: Though schools from that uh, now defunct conference are moving to play in the conference that this guy played in. I see.
1: Uh, Oh, God. What's his name? Played for Jim Arba. Oh, it's J.J. McCarthy. J.J. McCarthy. Why is everyone on this J.J. McCarthy hype I, train? I'm not sure. What is like? Not, what, I, we talked about this yesterday. I don't get it. Is it just because he won the national championship? Is it just because his team is, you know, now that they finally got over the hump, it's like, all right, yeah, J.J. McCarthy, the quarterback, like, okay, the logic is they won the national championship. He was the quarterback of the team that won the national championship. Ergo, he must have had an important role, forgetting the fact that number one, Michigan had an incredible run game. And number two, Michigan's defense was fantastic, was absolutely incredible, one of the best in the nation.
0: Once again, the numbers on McCarthy, because we talked about this yesterday 72%, 72.3% completion percentage. That's good. 2,991 yards. Okay. Nine yards, nine yards per attempt. 22 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. And those numbers are pretty consistent with what he did the year before. He also had a game, it was the game against Penn State, where he threw like for 60 yards. He, I think, only threw for over 300 one time in the season. Like Corham, the running game, their defense, that was the reasons why they won. Not that J.J. McCarthy didn't make some big plays and have some some good moments he was i just I, to me he screams second rounder he to was me.
1: he was not an asset but he was not a liability yeah and that's the good key. little
0: player good little player it's a second round quarterback
1: yeah but second round at best yeah if i and, and look if they do trade up to go ninth i'd rather them take a bo Nix or uh michael Penix jr if i would Penix re- i Penix
0: juniors there yeah i i the injury history still concerns me but yeah, I would take him over McCarthy. I would take either one of those guys in a heartbeat over JJ McCarthy.
1: I think Michael Penix Jr. is the most. He's he's going to be the one that I think that teams will regret passing on because of the injury history. Because I think he's and the knock at him being left-handed.
0: There's there's still a bit of a bias on left-handed quarterbacks because the spin of the ball is different and that kind of thing. Which I don't. Okay. Well, guys like Boomer Sison and Steve Young have proven you can you can play in the league and be left-handed. Kua. And Tua, and win, and win, and be good. Mike Vick? Yeah. Yeah. Who do we have in the team line, by the way? Hopefully they're still there. Paul checking in. Okay. Paul, thanks for holding on for a few minutes. How you doing?
2: Pretty dang good. You know what? If Johnny Mizell can go in the first round, so can McCarthy. There is no accounting for people's idiocy when it comes to quarterbacks.
0: That's true. I mean... I just want to look at McCarthy. I don't think he's a terrible quarterback. I think he could develop, develop into a, a good NFL player. I just don't feel like he's a, a first-round pick. I think he's a second-round guy. That's just that's just my opinion oh, on it. So,
2: At best. At yeah. best. And uh, as far as the Chargers go, I heard you talking the Chargers. As an ex-diehard Chargers fan, I hope they go 0-17 for the rest <laughs> of eternity until they move back to San Diego.
0: Now that that is a diehard San Diego Chargers fan, Paul. I like that. I like that. You're it's hey now. You're not still going to love them. You know, they left. They left the city that is near and dear to you. They left that city, and I like that. So you're they're they're dead to you until they go back. I love that.
2: They are dead to me till they go back. Hey, I got one for you. Did anybody happen to notice what the Chiefs quietly did yesterday?
1: Oh yeah, they signed Mataresa.
2: You bet you they did. He has got the potential to be Ray Guy-esque. And that's all you want to do is let the Chiefs keep putting you in the back of your end zone or in the back of your field position towards the 10-yard line every time. I don't know if people understand the impact of what this guy can do. I watched him a couple times at San Diego State when I happened to be out there. This guy kicks rockets.
0: Well, he, was the, he, was Ray, he was the Ray Guy winner. He won the Ray Guy award when he was at San Diego State, and then there was the allegations of the sexual assault, and that that victim going now finding out that things didn't go the way that they went according to her her testimony, and uh, yeah, Matt Arays. I watched a piece on it on uh, HBO Real Sports about what he's gone through and um, the, that, that, that 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 really ugly situation. Or you know Buffalo, they just said, "Okay, we're done with you." And and I and I kind of got that at the time that the Bills did that. But now that the dust has settled on this, and and things have turned definitely in Matt Araiza's favor, that yeah, this is a that's a that that could potentially be a big big special teams weapon for for Andy Reid getting that guy punt the ball for the Chargers or for the uh, Chiefs, excuse the me. Chief,
2: yeah, the Chiefs just keep getting better and better and better, and the rest of the AFC West. Continues to
0: flounder. Yeah. Sad but true. Sad but true. Paul, appreciate the call today, my friend. Thanks. Have a great weekend.
2: Adios, guys. Have a good weekend. All
0: right. Yeah, that's a guy that would have, a lot of teams would have jumped on if there wasn't that, that, that cloud, that yeah. very dark cloud over him, over those allegations. Yeah,
1: he was the punt god, and the Bills took him and then. The allegations came out from, from the woman at the party that
0: he and others sexually assaulted her. And, and then, then
1: it turned out there was video footage of um, him
0: just leaving. Yeah, then it turned out that, that that was not clearly the case. And so, fortunately for Matt, race is going to get, it's now been two, three years. Yeah. For him. I think at he's least been I think at least been, like in, two, three been, years. Been, in, been in limbo. So uh, the chief's taken a, you know, not, not taking a big
1: chance at this point in time. Look, it, it's a punter, right? Yeah. You're signing a punter on a team that's fresh off of a Super Bowl win. This is kind of a low risk. For for the Chiefs, it's... Now now it's low risk because of the other, the
0: allegations and what's come out of now...
1: Now that we know have, more... Have turned in his favor. But again, it also doesn't hurt that your team is fresh off of its yeah. second straight Super Bowl, its third in four years... You know, it's 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 kind of low risk for them because it's like, well, you know, if he contributes, great. If not, we've already reached the summit and we're going to probably do it again. Yeah. That's
0: right. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for saying that. It's wow. probably true. Am I wrong? <laughs> no, you're not. All right, 819. And uh, it's time to play Where in the World is Tyler Franzen? Where in the world is... Garmin San Diego... What?
1: Where the hell is he? Well, I can't find him. You cannot hide, whatever. I will find you. It is your chance to win a case of beer today. Some Fat Tire from New Belgian and High Country Beverage. You must be over the age of 21 because it's beer. And if you've won within the last two weeks, please sit it out. And of course, if you don't want the prize, I mean, don't play. But if you want the prize, if you haven't won in the last couple of weeks, and if you are over the age of 21, text in to the text line 970-242-1340 uh, and if you're the first correct text you will get a case of beer today we head west to one of the oldest d1 college basketball arenas built in 1955 it kind of stings that this arena only seats about a thousand people it's hard to generate any buzz with so few people in the crowd Worth noting, the court's named for their longtime volleyball coach who has the most career victories of any sport at this school. Talk about a queen. Where in the world is Tyler France?
0: Right. First correct answer wins today. Must be 21 or older. If you've won the last two weeks, don't play. Also, if you don't want the prize, don't play. Simple as that, because we also have Wrigley Field cover sports trivia uh, coming up next hour. So you have a chance to win with that as well. But first correct answer wins today on the team line. Text in your answer. 970-242-1340. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network.
3: Yeah, I think they're like the best on the radio. At least at the pro level, the best of the best.
1: The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. It's
0: 25 You'll like him in some 80s sci-fi movie or something
1: i mean you're well is this no, It's this Night rider no it's the weekend that's, from it, his dawn fm album which has adds, a lot of yeah. 80s synth pop isn't
0: it about basically a fictional radio station yes and yeah. jim
1: carrey is the ethereal dj it's it listen it's a very very good album I, it
0: sounded very much like a uh, a bad '80s sci-fi movie soundtrack.
1: You know, knock on it all you want, man. It's one of my favorite just, albums to come out recently. I'll, so I'll have to give it a listen because i I mean, I
0: like some of the weekend stuff. I'll have to give it a listen. But that that was just my initial. I didn't dislike it because I'm I'm a child of the '70s and '80s. Fair enough. But it sounded like it would be from an, like a, a really bad '80s sci-fi movie.
1: Well, he was going for an '80s, you know, vibe. Maybe like, like, um, oh gosh, there's so many
0: bad '80s sci-fi. Oh, man, I can't and even. Off the top of my head, I can't even think. Like, the, like, there's one it was like the, the the last Starfighter where the guy plays video games. It's a little bit like Gran Turismo, the the movie that came out about the guy that played Gran Turismo all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he actually used to become a race car driver. Well, this movie was. The guy played this video game, the last the star last starfighter, and it was actually a recruiting device to find pilots for this intergalactic battle. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Well then. And so this guy was really good at the last starfighter game, and so the aliens came and said, Hey, you're going into training. You're gonna be a you're actually gonna be a starfighter pilot. And it sounded like it'd be the soundtrack to something like that.
1: So the website Screen Rant has a list of 20 notoriously bad 80s sci-fi movies. I'm just going to rattle them off and see if you've seen any of these, all right? Okay. I'll, I won't look at the screen. Superman 4, Quest for yes. Peace. So I saw them all. Every single one. <laughs> Howard the Duck. Yes.
0: Piranha 2, The Spawning. I saw one of the Piranha films. I don't know if it was that one. Rollerblade. Rollerblade. Saw saw Rollerball with James Conn, which was great. Uh, No rollerblade
1: is not one that rings a bell It's funny you say that Because the first line of the article says Some people might remember rollerball with James Caan Not many people remember this 1986 film Directed by Donald G. Jackson Man I'm one of those people Do not remember it at all The film takes place (laughs) in a future Where people rebel against a fascist state With the help of roller skating nuns Of course they did Because why
0: wouldn't you Because that's what nuns are known for Being vigilantes
1: on rollerblades. Uh, Robo Vampire. Uh, Hard no on that one. Uh, Let's see. Maximum Overdrive. Yes,
0: that's a Stephen King. Yes, it is. Oh, gosh. Uh, Martin Sheen's kid. Um, Emilio Estevez. Emilio Estevez, yeah. Start on that. And uh, Stephen King has a cameo at the very beginning of it. Oh, jeez. Great soundtrack from ACDC, by the way, for that album or for that movie. Other than that, it's a fantastic soundtrack from ACDC. Some great uh, instrumental stuff from, uh, from the guys
1: on that one. These are uh, these are, Okay, La- the last one here will do Mac and me. So like with little alien.: Yes., I, mean, I don't
0: think I saw that one, but
1: that one yeah. is is always going to be remembered because every time Paul Rudd would go on Conan O'Brien's show whenever he'd be like, oh, yeah, I have a new clip from my movie, it would just show this one bizarre clip from the Mac and Me movie. Because he was
0: in that, wasn't he?
1: I don't think, I think so. He I, think he just, just, okay. I think it was just him trolling Conan. Okay. No, I, I
0: remember Mac and Me. I don't remember watching the movie, though. I was one time, I think this was more like maybe late 70s, early 80s. I don't remember what the film was called, but it was... Basically, they were Japanese space Vikings. They had this Viking ship, okay, with Japanese actors. It looked kind of like a combination between Viking outfits and maybe samurai. But the ship looked, it had like sails looked like a Viking ship. They must have got it on. Maybe they got it at a you know a discount. Some movie mm-hmm. lot auctioned it off, and so they had like rockets on the back of it. And it was one of the worst movies I've ever seen was absolutely horrible.
1: And I'm sure uh, a, a movie about Japanese space Vikings was handled with all the sensitivity required of Of course. Of course. Particular ethnic groups.
0: I have no... I, I'll, I'll be honest. That's the only <laughs> part I remember I remember anything else about the movie. But we're going to see it at the Chief Drive-In mm. which is now Texas Roadhouse. And Mind Springs. And uh, we're going out and seeing it there. With my... Brothers Bob and Bill, and I was probably 14, something like sure that. Give or take? Yeah. saw a lot of bad movies at The Chief and The Rocket, by the way. Saw a lot of bad films.
1: Okay, sorry. Speaking of bad films, I know that we're off topic here. Have you seen Madam Web yet? No, and I'm not going to. You've told me enough, and I... Uh, th- thank you. Ignoring... Thank you for saving me some money. Listen, ignoring everything else about it. Because it, was, it, was, it wasn't just like one part was bad. It was a cacophony. <laughs> the characters were wooden. The dialogue was bad. The acting wasn't great. The special effects weren't great. The story didn't make sense. The characters' decision-making didn't make sense. And there really wasn't a lot of great motivation. All of that aside, the thing that took me completely out of it, and I don't know if it's just because I work in an audio medium, the villain's audio was so screwed up it took me completely out of it his voice the sound was not in sync with his lips the entire time what <laughs> it was not in gym. The wow. ADR, the post-production ADR, where they re-record the lines in the right, studio. Yeah,
0: it was so screwed up. I mean, I, I can expect that if there's like streaming and
1: it's buffering a little bit. And no, there was, no, this was this, this is at was the, at the theater. This was in the theater. Oh man. And it and and it wasn't even just that his lips weren't in sync with his his voice. You know how like okay, so like if you have like a situation where two characters are talking in a room. And you pull the camera back and it sounds like they're further away and you get them closer and it sounds like they're up close. There's one character who's talking and and her voice sounds like it's, you know, where she is in the room or where it is in relation to the camera. With his, it always sounds like he's right up front. Like he's always right in front of the screen. Like. The spatial audio and the mixing... This this is one of the worst mixed sound movies I've ever had the misfortune. Uh, My brain was melting after... (laughs) I couldn't even pay attention to how bad the rest of the movie was because it was just so poorly audio mixed that I didn't even... Yeah.
0: Plenty of reasons not to see that movie. Plenty of reasons. All God right, bless you, Dakota
1: 30. Johnson. You
0: tried. But it, she, she tried and, and, and unfortunately failed like the rest of them. All right. Uh, coming up, we'll talk with Fruit boys basketball coach Michael Wells. Uh, Colorado Mesa baseball team, uh, they'll have their doubleheader with Northwest Nazarene starting at noon today. But yesterday, they opened up uh, with Northwest Nazarene, 19th ranked team in the nation, Mavericks uh, uh, number 12 in the nation. And Colorado Mesa loses 14 to 12 after they were down 12 to nothing in that game. Uh, disastrous second inning for Liam Hohenstein, the Mavericks starter. But after the game, Rio uh, Van Gilder, a.k.a. the Buckeye Boy, who had the call yesterday, had the chance to talk with Chris Hanks after the Mavericks rally, but come up short, losing to the Nighthawks.
4: Here with the skipper Chris Hanks after losing the series opener to Northwest Nazarene 14-12. to It was 14 to nothing at one point. We'll talk about the comeback in a little bit. But not the way you wanted to start that game, falling into that big of a hole against a really good baseball club.
3: Yeah, uh, Northwest Nazarene's a good team. They're well coached. Uh, I mean, three of our four losses this year or failed starts by starting pitchers. You know, it's an interesting thing. All these kids want to play, and they all want to pitch, and we always tell them there's there's responsibility there, and so uh, you know, you, you can't you know you can't get down fourteen to nothing and ten to nothing after three innings and. Uh, all we're looking for there, I told the guys in the dugout, the offense, let's let's just make sure we score. Number one, let's get one on the board, see what we can do. They fought back. We were competitive. You know, they only struck us out twice all day, and, and one of them was in the ninth. Uh, so our hitters battled. Um, you know, I think we failed to make a play at third base, uh, double down the line that wasn't hit very hard. We didn't react to it very well early as part of that seven-run inning that, I mean, I feel like should have been an out. So, but, but that's baseball. We have to, you know, we're trying to figure out where everybody goes. I mean, Liam's been our number one. Uh, and, you know, he was freshman of the year and, and it's gonna be harder for him this year because he's not gonna surprise anybody. And, you know, they kind of ambushed him. And, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, they are sitting fastball and our, our kids, uh, he and Wolf were were just uh, center cutting balls, uh, fastballs, when, when balls are hit that far and that hard, those home runs those are dead center things you know I coach hitters and those are the only ones they hit that far so we'll have to clean that up we're early on here we're trying to find the how the pieces go together but it's, it's certainly
4: disappointing coming out you went to Caleb Suter or Caleb Reuter rather mm-hmm. he was your third pitcher on the mound he went the last five innings five scoreless wasn't perfect wasn't you know spotless but he got the job done got the outs when he needed to it's got to be a nice surprise for a guy that hadn't played yet this year
3: yeah you know he he has uh he has really big upside uh the reason he hadn't pitched to this point were were just command and control issues which i think you saw early on the first two hitters he walked and were Mm -hmm. scrambling and that's the only reason he hasn't pitched but then he settled in and boy he was tough on him he he kept him off balance which uh you know liam and wolf obviously did not
4: talk about your offense fell into a 14 nothing hole sometimes you see guys try to hit that 10 run home run Mm -hmm. you got a lot of kind of experienced guys that have been in your program for a long time kept their approaches disciplined kept their swing Mm -hmm. small saw a lot of stuff poked to right field to drive in some runs and just kind of grinded and turned what could have been a blowout into a close game at the end
3: well we had the winning run at the plate with uh you know last year's probably one of our best hitters and and rob did a real nice job you know he hit that ball to left center off the bat I thought it might hit the gap and we had put uh, Keegan Lannis at first and that kid can run like the wind and if that would have hit the gap he would have scored from first and tied that game so you know, Rob battled there, the the kids battled back, we got in a position, we had the winning run at the plate, one swing and we win that game if Rob gets a hold of one Uh, so uh, I don't fault their effort, the the dugout was extremely positive from the outset it never really got negative, guys battled uh, so, so that's a good thing
4: you learn a lot about the resiliency and kind of character we we're talking ray mcclennan and i in the in the booth all game like you can kind of just see the type of character guys that are in that dugout they may be down 14 to nothing but looking at body language and discipline you know both in the field at the plate they don't really look like they're down uh, two touchdowns
3: no no and we you know we try to speak excellence to each other as we term it and uh, I mean, obviously, we got down big, but there's a lot of ball game left. And, uh, you know, uh, we felt like if we could just get some runners on and get a timely hit, Stefanos hit the grand slam. That really uh, tipped it a little bit for us. That put us back into striking distance. I think at 14 5 or something like that, it made you feel like you weren't down 10 anymore, anyway. Uh, but what you needed then was a good pitching performance, and we got it from Reuter because he stuffed him the rest
4: of the way. You talk about uh, Christos, talk about him a little bit. He's been in your program for a few years, a couple of years, kind of struggling to find at-bats behind some really talented players there. Yep. At D.H. rolling behind the plate. This guy that stuck it out and is finally starting to get his uh, the playing time he's earned.
3: Yeah, yeah. So we know he has power, and that's why he's in there, uh, you know, and and it, it produced today at, 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 a, at a good time to get us you know, somewhat back in the game, get us some momentum with enough ball game left to
4: close the gap. We just we just kinda of ran out of outs and innings. Three left, two tomorrow, the doubleheader. Uh any idea on what the plan is yet for tomorrow?
3: Uh pitching wise? Yeah. Yeah, we'll go Kyle Miller game one and we'll go Seward game two and uh and pace game three. You know they I, You know, I think they were a little concerned about facing Hohenstein. They threw their number four today, so they're set up pretty good. They have their number one going game one tomorrow and their number two in game two. Uh, I mean, when teams come in and they do their pitching like that, they're playing for a split. You know, they're playing to not get swept. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, they won't get swept now, so it'll be our job to, to bounce back and, uh, you know, pitch it better. We got to pitch better from the start.
0: All right, so a doubleheader with uh, the Mavericks in Northwest Nazarene today. You can catch it on the RMAC Network uh, pregame. Or actually, the first game starts at noon today. Uh, doubleheader over at Sam Saplesio Field. All right, 840, do we have a winner yet for Where in the World is Tyler Franzen?
1: So the answer is we have a correct guess, but the person who guessed is not eligible, according to my system. All right, so go ahead and give it to us again. All right, so with uh, Where in the World is Tyler Franson. Case of beer, text in at 970-242-1340. We head west to one of the oldest D1 college basketball arenas. Built in 1955, it kind of stings that this arena only seats about 1,000 people. It's hard to generate any buzz with so few people in the crowd. Worth noting, the court is named for their longtime volleyball coach, who has the most career victories of any sport at this school. Talk about a queen. We're in the world of Tyler Franzen.
0: All right, so first correct answer wins a case of Fat Tire from New Belgium Brewery and High Country Beverage. So send your answer in right now. Once again, if you've won the last two weeks, you're not eligible. So do keep that in mind. Send your answer in on the team line, 970-242-1340. For Monument Boys basketball coach, Michael Wells, joins us next on The Jim Davis Show.
1: Cuckoo, loony, and crazy. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Not just crap. Today. <laughs> the team presents the Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Talking through of Monument Boys Basketball with Coach Michael Wells on the Jim Davis Show.
0: And Michael Wells brought to you by the Rick Nelson Agency and American Family Insurance. For a free comparison, call this team of licensed professionals at 970-241-0078. He has the top seed in the 6A Boys State Basketball Tournament coming off the win against Highlands Ranch on Wednesday night. Sweet 16 tomorrow out at uh, Fruto Monument when uh, the Wildcats take on Broomfield for the second time this season. Michael Wells, Fruto Monument Boys Basketball Coach, joins us. Michael, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Jim. How are you? Doing fine. So uh, first half of that game against uh, Highlands Ranch, you you fell behind by 14 points their press, their physicality, that, that really got to you guys early on. And like you said to me after the game the other night, all your plans, all the practice, all the things you prepared for kind of went out the window, and you guys kind of forgot that. But you got it down to six at halftime. And then kind of take us through what you told your guys at halftime, the adjustments you made, because in the second half it was a different story where where Daniel Thomas and a lot of what you guys did ran through him uh, big game for Jet Wells as well. The the, the three with about three fifty to go in the game to, to give you guys a lead for the the first time. That um, it was just kind of go through what you did at halftime, that your guys responded to in the second half.
5: Oh, I think uh, what is it the Mike Tyson quote or, or or whoever it is that everybody has a plan until they really get punched in the mouth, and um, we had a little of that. You know, we didn't execute our plan really well, and you know, when we went into halftime, I mean, even in a timeout earlier, we talked about, let's just get it under double digits. Okay. At halftime, give us a lead. And our our guys really did a good job of doing that. I think that was as important a comeback as anything just to get the game manageable. And then when we went into halftime, we just kind of reviewed the plan. You know, we, we had a lot of the nerves out. We had settled into the game a little bit and we just, we kind of reviewed what we talked about and, and you know just adjusted ever so slightly and and kind of committed to changing a little more on the defensive end and making sure that we adjusted to some of the some of the shots they were getting out of their offense and you know really just just tried to just tried to be a little more solid with what we wanted to do initially in the game and the guys were able to execute it and you know they just were tough and made a made a really good comeback to to fight through it and fight through some nerves and and be able to advance
0: In the first half they outshot you five to nothing from three point range. And certainly you guys got some big threes, Jed, as I mentioned, the three that they gave you guys the lead. But it seemed like you did a better job of closing them out in three point range in the second half, and that was a big factor too.
5: Well, and they expended a lot of energy in the first half, so we knew, you know, they would probably keep shooting how they had all year, but they were gonna lose their legs and and you know, we had for the most part the right guys getting the shots in the in the first half, you know, they banked one in and, and, you know, a couple other things, but, you know, we really just kind of forced them to the corners, which is a much more difficult shot and and challenge those, you know, DT was able to get a big block on one that we saved that led to a layup and they just started coming up short. You know, the reason we really fought the way we did this season, one of our goals was to get these games at home. So other people had to get on the bus and do something they weren't used to. And I think it really started to hurt them. Late when they when they lost their legs and, and started missing those things short and you know we did a great job rebounding the ball and not giving them second opportunities. Yeah. Max finished with 16 boards. DP had 13 and um, you know we just didn't turn the ball over and give up second chances to them, which really would have gave them an opportunity to get back in the game.
0: Yeah, as I referenced, Daniel Thompson had the 20 points. Uh, Jet Wells had 18, and then Max Orchard only had five points. He didn't score a field goal till really late in the game. But he hit uh, three big free throws down the stretch. You mentioned he had 16 rebounds. It seemed like Max was constantly on the glass. Even though he wasn't scoring the basketball, he was contributing in, in a big way in what he was doing in terms of rebounding.
5: 100. percent And that's that's senior leadership. You know, that's getting that's getting what you need to from guys um, that have experience and have kind of been through this before. You know, he didn't have the greatest night offensively, but we talk to our guys all the time about the little things. You know, Coach Vanna stresses it before every game, do the little things, and he kind of gives them a list. And your shot's not going to fall every night, but, you know, defense and rebounding, some of those sorts of things, getting on loose balls, playing hard, they never take a night off. And, you know, Max didn't get a ton of opportunities, and the ones he did didn't go for him early, but he just stuck with it, did the little things. And you get rewarded by playing the game the right way, and and Max really did that, got a couple of big ones late, it was huge for us and he just took them out of the game with his you know his work on the on the glass
0: did you realize that you'd only given up two points in the fourth quarter and when you won the other night
5: no idea i had no idea half the time honestly i'm so focused on different stuff i don't even remember the score after the game (laughs) so when someone came in the locker room and told me that it was 20 to 2 or 23 to 2 run to end the game i had no idea um but it's just a testament to our guys locking in and doing what they needed to do to
0: get it done well we referenced max orchard maybe not having uh the best scoring night but had an incredible night on the glass he had an incredible night the last time you played broomfield he had 24 points in that win uh it was the fourth game of the season uh, over in the front range and he had to come back from 12 down to get the win against broomfield so here we go the rematch with the eagles though so, uh your team and their team have uh, have improved and changed a lot since that uh, that early meeting
5: well, and we gave up, I think, 79 points or something that night. And I watched the film yesterday of that game, and I just, we were horrible defensively. I showed it to the guys a little bit. We're going to watch a little more today. And you'd watch that game of us defensively and wonder how we won five games all year. I mean, it was just brutal. And uh, we've come a long way since then, but, you know, so have they. And they have a ton of offensive pieces that are talented. And you know we're familiar with them from earlier in the year, but we also played them in a scrimmage in the fall, and we played them in in Gold Crown in the summer, and we've got a lot of familiarity with each other. And I don't think you know anyone's going to do anything really different at this point. You kind of are who you are. Um, Max really stepped up. You know Jet was hadn't quite emerged how he has later on here in the season, and and didn't didn't play overly great. You know DT was solid, but Max had a great night and that's what's made us dangerous is you know daniel and jet were really good the other night it might be max tomorrow it might be you know austin reed or wilson and you know you just at that point kind of see who emerges and and try and get them the ball and and let them take you take you to the coliseum hopefully
0: yeah that that game against broomfield was in the uh centaurus uh tournament it was in the uh the boulder valley invitational the, the fourth game of the season uh overtime victory for the wildcats 84 to 79 mentioned uh uh, that uh, Max Orchard had the 24 points. Uh, for them, Blast Kane and Andrew Eflin each had 17 points apiece in that one. So you faced a team in, in Highlands Ranch that loved to press, tried to trap half-court, really tried to put the pressure on your backcourt. What's going to be uh, the recipe from Broomfield? What did you see previously? What have you seen recently from them, Michael, uh, that they'll roll out coming up uh, tomorrow?
5: Well, recently against Overland, they were mostly manned. Um, they played a little more zone against us, and then they will extend a one-two-two two, about three-quarter court um, at different points in the game to try and change some tempo and that sort of thing. Um, you know, so you're going to have to be ready to to execute and, and change what you're doing against some of their changing defenses. And then, um, you know, offensively they they really space the floor well. They run a lot of good actions, and so we've got to be solid on the on the defensive end against those two guys you know, number three needs about a half a centimeter to get a shot off and it seems like he doesn't miss and, and then they have a good good inside presence in number eleven, a lefty that, you know, is something you don't go against all the time. So it kinda changes the shoulder you gotta sit on and, and some of that sort of stuff when the ball goes into the post. And you know, the difference between them and Highlands Ranch is they're a little more half corner oriented, a little more deliberate in what they do. And and they have two or three main guys. So you you know who you're going at where you know, Highlands Ranch just came at you from every angle, every corner, and and so it's just different. I don't think it'll be as fast paced maybe as as the other night was. Um, you know, but they're they're a little better, you know, just a little more solid, a little more well coached team that'll that'll make you pay for mistakes.
0: And Eflin's hit fifty two threes on the season, uh their leading score. But you look at you know, it's not exactly like Highlands Ranch where you didn't know who their best player was. Uh different guys stepped up. Eflin has probably been their and the uh, Broomfield's best player at almost fourteen points per game this season, uh, Kane is a referenced. He's at eleven points per game, but uh, they've got a couple of other guys. Martinez is at almost eight points per game, and about seven eight guys are at least at uh, you know four points or more. Michael, so there is a little bit of depth in their scoring outside of Eflin, Cook, and Kane.
5: No question, uh, you get to this point in the season and you know, everybody has guys, you know, that's why you're here is because you've got some really good players, but you've got great support from your bench, you know, similar to how we do. And, and so you just, when you sub, you got to minimize those guys and and what it takes in a tournament game to be successful or upset a team on the road is you got to get contributions from one of those guys that you don't normally get, you know, kind of that X factor that, that stands out. We have to make sure that we, we don't let that happen with one of those guys uh you know in terms of, of going off and 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 going that you try and you try and hold their their main guys to what they what they average or what they're below and just not let one of those other guys go off but they have capable pieces that, that come off the bench as well and so you know we've really done our homework and continue to spend time on on their personnel and what they do and and figure out how we're going to guard it and then at this point in the season it really comes down to execution and who does it better
0: course uh, they're coming off a five-point win over overland to move into the sweet 16 so once again we'll have the game tomorrow two o'clock we, we now know it's two o'clock tomorrow out at fruto Monwood high school and hopefully the environment will be very similar to what it was on wednesday night that place was electric on wednesday night uh, as fruto takes on broomfield for the second time this season a trip to the great eight on the line for uh, the wildcats coming up tomorrow and we'll have it i'll be out there tomorrow 145 pregame two o'clock tip Furtle Monument boys in the Sweet 16 of the 6-8 tournament taking on Broomfield. Michael, appreciate the time. Thank you so much, and see you tomorrow.
5: Sounds good. Thanks, Jim.
0: All right, Michael Wells, Furtle Monument boys basketball coach.